Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Volume. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Monday, everybody. Round two coverage of the NBA playoffs here at Hoops Tonight is brought to you by Chase Freedom Unlimited. How do you cash back? All right, this series that we all were hoping for, the one that's going to end the basketball world as we know it and cause the internet to go up in flames all at once, Lakers versus Warriors. We're going to do a series preview that hits it from a bunch of different angles. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these videos and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, don't forget you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under Hoops Tonight. All right, let's talk some basketball. So before we get into our our uh, traditional kind of series preview structure where I go over like kind of overarching notes and then we hit some key matchups and then I give a pick, I want I have a little bit of a rant that I want to do um, surrounding the some of the narratives that are going to be involved in this series. So... One of the most discouraging things to me as a basketball fan with the way that the media has covered the game, and it's not just media, a lot of it has to do with just social media and the way people behave on Twitter and other uh, social media apps. The There's a stand culture that is taking over. It's an obsession with players to the point of reverence that goes to the point where it actually, I think, does a disservice to the game of basketball. Um, so for instance, we are going to get the two largest fan bases in the NBA pitted against each other in this particular series. And I'm not talking about Lakers versus Warriors. I'm talking about Steph fans versus LeBron fans. And that's going to be the narrative uh, direction that this series goes in. And I don't really like that because I'll give you an example. So LeBron James is my favorite player. He's the reason why I got into the game of basketball. I was raised on baseball and football. I happened to cross LeBron James on the television, and my entire life changed as a result because I fell in love with the game. It ended up being what paid for my schooling. It ended up being what I do for a living. And so LeBron is my favorite player. For a lot of LeBron fans, 
they despise Steph Curry and everything he stands for because he represents some kind of threat to LeBron and his legacy and things along those lines. I think that is so juvenile and stupid. Like, Steph is my second favorite player. He's an incredible basketball player. If you love the game of basketball, you should watch Steph and enjoy it, and you should watch LeBron and enjoy it. If you dislike watching some of the best basketball players in the world, and I get it when it's certain things that have nothing to do with their performance, like I get irritated sometimes by, you know, foul grifting and things along those lines, but I can get on that to a certain extent against a lot of players, even LeBron and Steph. Even though they're way better than most, both of them tend to flop from time to time to try to draw fouls. I can get annoyed by stuff like that. But when it comes to the skill sets and the way that they impact winning, all of these guys at the top of the league are incredible. And you should appreciate certain things about their game if you love the game of basketball. And so to me, like it's not about LeBron versus Steph. It's about the Lakers versus the Warriors. And there are a bunch of different basketball dynamics that are taking place. And I hope we don't miss all of that beautiful basketball for the sake of a stupid narrative debate that doesn't make any sense because one of the dudes is 38 and the other is 35. And by the way, it's over. Steph is the best player in the league now. He's just better than LeBron now. Has nothing to do with LeBron. LeBron's just old. He's 38. And I have so many LeBron fans and they'll be like, oh, he's not old. He's just injured. His foot is hurt. Huh. That's interesting. I wonder if they're related. Is it possible that the fact that he's played more minutes than any basketball player to ever touch an NBA court not named Kareem Abdul-Jabbar maybe that has something to do with the fact that when he did a regular jump stop in the third quarter after three full days rest his foot popped like he's old it's not about LeBron versus Steph it's the Lakers versus the Warriors and I promise you for the Steph fans who would take victory laps If LeBron lost, you wouldn't be in the same position if Steph was 38 and LeBron was 35 because LeBron won a finals MVP when he was 35. He was at a completely different level than where he's at right now. And for you LeBron fans, if LeBron were to lose, you'd be just as upset if they were taking victory laps. So let's try to set the narratives aside. Let's try to be grown-ups, and let's try to appreciate what should be an extremely interesting series of basketball with lots of players that have great resumes and legacies that go beyond LeBron James and Steph. And even as we focus on the LeBron James and Steph element of this series, they're the two greatest players of this era. They are two of the five greatest players of all time. I, I, um, Colin Coward did a really interesting rant about Steph Curry and Magic Johnson. I uh, would agree. I think Steph has surpassed Magic and Larry at this point. I would put... Uh, LeBron, MJ, somewhere one, two. I still have MJ one, LeBron two. I'd put Kobe three, and then I'd put Steph four. And you guys know I don't really keep centers on the same list as my perimeter players. So I think Steph is the fourth best perimeter player of all time. And LeBron is no lower than the second best perimeter player of all time. These two guys, in my opinion, their legacies are completely stamped. And so the outcome of this series can only serve to improve one of those two guys' legacies and do nothing in terms of damage to either. And to be clear, it's possible that Steph could be the best player in this series and still lose. You know how? That's how basketball games work. They're five on five with benches and coaches and home court advantage and shot variants and all these different things that can go a bunch of different directions. So I'd like to keep it, at least for the sake of this show, focused on the basketball as much as possible. All right, I am off my soapbox. 
let's get into the series notes. So we had a very successful first round. We picked seven of the eight first round series correctly, not exactly by games, but we picked the outcomes of the series correctly. And of course, the one we miss is that stupid Miami Heat upset of the Bucks, where Giannis missed three of the games. But what does that mean? It just means I got lucky and chances are we'll be wrong a lot at some point later on in this postseason. Um, that said, I am very pleased uh, with how we kind of uh, uh, set up the first round. We had some good reads on some specific series and and uh, picked a couple of good upsets. Um, as of right now, the Warriors are minus 158 favorites in on FanDuel. That makes sense to me. Both teams had impressive upset wins in the first round. Both teams are pretty evenly matched. Um, but the Warriors are the defending champions, and they have home court advantage, and they have the best player in the series. So I think it makes sense to make the Warriors a, 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 a discernible but slight favorite at one at minus one fifty eight. The Lakers won the season series three to one. They lost on opening night when it was that whole other team with Russell Westbrook and a bunch of guards. Uh, they went three and zero against Golden State post deadline, but important players missed every game. On February eleventh, we had no LeBron or Steph. On February 23rd, we had no Steph or Andrew Wiggins. And on March 5th, we had no LeBron or Andrew Wiggins. Um, But we did learn enough to at least have a general idea of the game plans that both teams are going to employ. Um, So for our major matchups, this is going to be three points brought to you by Chase Freedom Unlimited. I'm going to target three major matchups in this series. So number one, can Golden State handle the Los Angeles Lakers size advantage? Um, matchups are pretty straightforward. I, I expect Kevon Looney to guard Anthony Davis and to be extremely physical. I actually like this matchup for Anthony Davis on the offensive end of the floor. When AD's looking to score, I think he's got enough physical advantages over Looney, and I've seen this manifest on film to where he's in good shape. Where I think the Looney matchup can be really tough on AD is on the other end of the floor when AD's busy doing all this rim protection stuff and Kevon Looney is crashing the offensive glass. You guys saw Kevon Looney be a massive swing factor in the Sacramento Kings series with the work that he did on the offensive glass. So Looney AD, I like that matchup for AD on the offensive end. I'm a little concerned about it on the defensive end. I do think Andrew Wiggins will guard LeBron, goes without saying, um, and try to ball pressure him as much as possible. They usually have Andrew pick him up, you know, three-quarter court and just try to make LeBron wear out his legs as he's working the ball up the floor. I think a huge aspect in this particular series will be LeBron's ability to weaponize his size against Andrew Wiggins. I think if he goes with the Luka Doncic approach and tries to navigate everything with a live dribble from 30 feet, I think Andrew Wiggins and his uh, and his physical ball pressure is going to wear LeBron out and the quickness issue is going to be a problem and I think it's going to go poorly for LeBron. So I think it's important for LeBron to give the basketball up let Austin and D'Lo navigate the ball pressure to save his legs. And I think LeBron needs to work on Wiggins in the post as much as possible. Uh, Dylan Brooks has a lower center of gravity than Andrew Wiggins, so he's a different type of defender. That's a big part of why he's given tons of people struggles all series long. Uh, Dylan Brooks has given Steph struggles. He's given LeBron struggles. He's given every single star player that he's run into this year, except for maybe Kyrie Irving, legitimate struggles during the regular season. Dylan Brooks is like that. Andrew Wiggins is another one of those guys. He's on that tier with Jason Tatum and Jalen, uh, Jaden McDaniels and all those big wings that can guard multiple positions. Andrew Wiggins is a top-tier defender on that list, but he's a little bit more upright, a better, he's a, a million times better athlete than Dylan Brooks. He's taller, longer arms, 
but his center of gravity is just a little bit taller. So LeBron's advantage against Dylan Brooks, or excuse me, against Andrew Wiggins, in my opinion, is going to be in the post. And so a significant factor in this series will be how much LeBron seeds ball handling responsibilities to the other Laker guards and works down to the block so he can use his physicality on Andrew Wiggins. Another huge matchup in this series, Clay Thompson versus Austin Reeves. I think they're both going to guard each other. Um, this is a, this is a matchup that Austin dominated in the uh, in the three games post deadline. So, in three games post trade deadline, Austin Reeves fourteen points per game on seven field goal attempts, sixty five percent from the field and sixty three percent from three with four assists per game. That was kind of before he really stepped up his ball handling too. It wasn't until the late portion of the season that Austin started being more aggressive. He's more of like an eighteen point per game guy, a, a guy now, and he he is. Every bit as capable of going for 20 in any given game as D'Angelo Russell or LeBron or Anthony Davis. He's a guy that has become a volume initiator for the Lakers, and even in the time since um, uh, since these earlier Warriors matchups in February. Clay Thompson in the same matchup, three games post-deadline, 20 points per game on 19 field goal attempts. So only six more points on 12 additional field goal attempts. 36% from the field and 32% from three with just two assists per game. Austin did a really nice job locking him, trailing him over screens, doing a nice job hanging hanging tight on that tough step-back jump shot that Clay goes to. Austin flat-out won that matchup to, to end the season in their three matchups. Clay is a better player. So Clay has to find a way to win that matchup. He should. He's the better player. He just has to do so. They're like I'm sorry, but like with with what Steph has to contend with, trying to match the production of LeBron James and Anthony Davis as superstars, Clay Thompson needs to soundly outplay Austin Reeves. So that's a matchup that I'd keep an eye on over the course of the series. Clay's the better player. He just needs to hold it up in his play on the court. I expect Steph to guard D'Angelo Russell. This is another kind of sneaky, important matchup because the Lakers in the first round, they did a lot of stuff through their guards when they realized that LeBron and AD didn't have the same types of matchups. Uh, it allowed them to work more off-ball and save their legs, be more impactful defensively, and it just didn't make sense for LeBron and AD to try to bully these players that just had better physical matchups with them than what the guards were dealing with. Um, Steph is a great defensive player who is more than capable of giving D'Angelo Russell tons of problems. It's more about wearing out his legs. D'Lo running a ton of action towards Steph can try to affect him physically in a way that could manifest down the uh, on the other end of the floor in his shooting. But for whatever that's worth, it didn't seem to matter much in the King series. And D'Angelo Russell's not in the same stratosphere. But it's just a little tiny thing that the Lakers can do to try to make things a little bit harder on Steph. But this is where everything could come crashing down for the Lakers. Draymond Green is going to guard Jared Vanderbilt. He's going to completely ignore him. And aggressively help everywhere else on the floor. This is something Golden State has always liked to do, but they, they, they're they almost exaggerative with the way they handle it with non-shooters. You saw Draymond Green sitting back in the paint when Russell Westbrook was navigating with a live dribble on the perimeter. Draymond just doesn't care. He's going to ignore those non-shooters and fly around. There's a give and a take there. Vanderbilt is one of the Lakers' best defensive players. I think he's going to actually end up guarding Steph Curry for a good chunk of this series. But at the end of the day, like if he... If having him out there and Draymond Green roaming around destroys your offense, if the Warriors can play Jared Vanderbilt off the court, suddenly the level of defensive personnel that the Lakers have becomes a problem. Because I think there's two guys on this entire roster that can actually make Steph work. Similarly to the King series, like De'Aaron Fox had good stretches on Steph. 
Davion Mitchell had good stretches on Steph, but those were the only two guys. And if it was like Terrence Davis, barbecue chicken. If it was Malik Monk, barbecue chicken. You know what I mean? Like Steph was killing everybody else on that roster. That's kind of the way this Laker roster is. Like Jared Vanderbilt's going to be able to do an okay job. Dennis Schroeder is going to be able to do an okay job. But everyone else, if Austin Reeves ends on Steph, that's a problem. If D'Angelo Russell's on Steph, that's a problem. Even Anthony Davis on switches, just Steph is so good at beating bigs off switches off the dribble. So, like, a lot of it's going to come down to, at some point, at any point in the series, Darvin Ham's going to have to, when Steph is on the floor, have one of Vanderbilt or Dennis Schroeder on the floor. And if the Warriors can play Jared Vanderbilt off the floor as a non-offensive threat, then it becomes a Dennis Schroeder series. If it's a Dennis Schroeder series, now you have less offensive skill on the floor because D'Angelo Russell probably can't play, and it, and it just becomes an issue. So I'd keep an eye on that Draymond-Vanderbilt matchup, how much damage Draymond can do, how well LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the and the guards can make the uh, the Warriors pay for ignoring Jared Vanderbilt. That's going to be an interesting matchup to watch. The Lakers have a lot of ways to, to attack. They can attack with LeBron AD pick and roll, guard AD pick and roll, guard LeBron pick and roll, uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron in the post. They run a lot of like off-ball action for Anthony Davis to get him on the move, but none of that's going to work if Draymond Green, who is one of the best defensive players um, in the history of the NBA and still still to this day in the league, is allowed to just just mess everything up off the ball. So that that's where I, I that's where I think the Lakers could go through some extended slumps offensively is just having Draymond Green roam around, roam around. And don't be surprised if even if Rui Hachimura comes in, if you see Draymond Green help a lot even off of Rui Hachimura and basically dare him to shoot and see if he's up to the scale of what this series is going to be in terms of pressure. Um, another thing to keep an eye on is LeBron James and Anthony Davis's jump shooters. One of the ways you can counter a team that is aggressively packing the paint is by hitting shots over the top. LeBron James and Anthony Davis were extremely inconsistent as jump shooters in that first round series. That could be a big problem. If they don't. Um, I'll just put it this way: uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of proceeding in this series as though LeBron James and Anthony Davis are still going to be inconsistent as jump shooters. But if both of them come in and knock down a bunch of jump shots, that could help them a lot. Um, I think LeBron in the post. Against Wiggins is another uh, is a is gonna have to be a bread and butter thing because I think LeBron's better at beating double teams. So LeBron, you actually saw a little bit of this against Memphis, but he's really good at posting and getting someone to commit and then hitting Jared Vanderbilt as a cutter. So I think you'll see. I think LeBron in the post is another great way to counter Draymond and help because uh, LeBron could try to bait him into certain situations and try to get Vanderbilt open. Um, but at the end of the day, it's probably going to have to be a quite a bit of guard AD pick and roll like they did at the end of the Memphis series just because they have better matchups. Um, and getting those guys downhill to get the Warriors in rotation will help LeBron and Anthony Davis find advantage situations. All right, number two, our second matchup. Can the Laker guards defend the Golden State guards? Here's how I expect the Lakers to match up. Again, I expect Vanderbilt to start on Steph Curry. He's good at navigating screens. He's got quick feet. I really like him against Steph in off-ball situations. So as Golden State's running like their motion offense, I think Vanderbilt's going to do a good job of chasing and applying back pressure and all of those different things. Where I get a little worried is in straight-up ISO or in high pick-and-roll. So uh, Vanderbilt still has a high center of gravity, kind of a similar thing we were talking about with Wiggins on LeBron. Steph is going to be able to get him to hop one way or the other and then attack the gap that he creates in that opening. And so I'm a little worried about Steph just dribbling the ball off the floor and just beating Vanderbilt off the dribble and having that be the way that Golden State starts their offense. But in screening actions, Vanderbilt's just very good at navigating screens. 
Um, Austin Reeves on Clay Thompson. We talked about that earlier. I won't get into it again. D'Angelo Russell, I think they're going to tuck him away on Andrew Wiggins, and that's going to be another key matchup for the Warriors because Wiggins is great at attacking mismatches there. D'Lo's a little bigger than he looks, but he's not as big as Andrew Wiggins. So um, that's going to be a, that's going to be one of those key matchups where if Wiggins can get to 18 to 20 points a game just attacking D'Angelo Russell on random possessions, especially at the end of the shot clock, I think that could help a lot. Uh, I expect LeBron James on Draymond Green, kind of in a, in a similar role, just roaming, and Anthony Davis on Kevon Looney. Now, um, before we get to the scheme element, this is where I want to touch on the Looney offensive rebounding piece. What happens is, is if you can just stay on Looney and box him out, you're going to be fine, right? But what ends up happening is guys get downhill because they're chasing, the guards are chasing the Golden State guards over the top of screens. And as someone's coming downhill, Anthony Davis has to step up to contest. Looney is so good. As soon as Anthony Davis or whoever that big is takes one step out of position to contain a ball handler, Looney will just bury his ass underneath the basket and get offensive rebounding position. And so that's going to be a, a huge part in this series is gang rebounding from the Lakers as a team, especially around Looney, because Anthony Davis is going to get pulled all over creation trying to clean up messes in this Golden State motion offense attack. Now, uh, in the, so we know what the Warriors are going to do, right? They're going to run, uh, they're going to run drop coverage. They're going to chase over the top of screens. They're going to funnel to Looney and Draymond's going to help, right? Draymond's going to completely ignore Vanderbilt. He's going to help. That's going to be their scheme. The Lakers scheme is going to be a little bit different. They're going to have LeBron James and Anthony Davis constantly back at the basket as much as possible, ignoring Draymond and Kevon Looney. What they're going to do with the guards is do what's called top locking. So if I'm guarding Steph Curry and Steph's in the corner and, you know, it's a horn set. So Draymond Green's at the elbow and he goes over to set a pin down on Steph Curry. Rather than locking and trailing, which would mean positioning myself behind Steph and chasing him over the top of the screen, what the Lakers are going to do is top lock. So they'll tell Jared Vanderbilt to position himself between Steph Curry and the screen and give up a back cut at the expense of preventing him from coming off the screen, with the expectation being that as he cuts back door, he's cutting into LeBron James and Anthony Davis at the rim. This is how the Lakers beat the Warriors three straight times at the end of the season. Top locking and funneling, Anthony Davis at the rim, cleaning up everything because he's the best defensive player in the world when he's locked in. So this is where I think it becomes a high pick and roll series. I think the Lakers are going to be able to handle the Golden State motion offense pretty well with that top lock and funnel scheme, sending everybody back to Anthony Davis and LeBron James at the basket. However, when you just space the team out, let's 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 take a look at a high pick and roll for Steph Curry um, and Draymond Green, right? So I'm going to have Kevon Looney kind of in the dunker spot, right? I'm going to have um, shooters spacing the floor. The Anthony Davis is going to be um, uh, at the rim. Um, and then they're going to have LeBron, they're going to have Draymond Green come up and set the screen, or they're going to have probably call, they'll probably call Kevon Looney to set the screen because they want Anthony Davis to come up. Right? This is where this is where it becomes an issue because Anthony Davis has to come up. What did we see in the Celtics series with better guard defenders? By the way, that was Marcus Smart, Derek White, better guard defenders than these Laker guards. If you send 
your guards over the top of screens on Steph Curry, and he gets to play against drop coverage, he will light your ass on fire. Just ask the Boston Celtics and what happened in game four. You need your big guys to be way up at the level of the screen. Now, in the blender, when they can just lock and trail, lock and trail, or deny and force back cuts, Anthony Davis can stay at the basket more, right? But if it's straight up high pick and roll and Steph can dance around with the basketball until he gets Jared Vanderbilt to commit to one direction, then Looney quick reverses the angle of the screen or whatever, Steph is going to get separation from those guys. It's guaranteed. And so at that point, Anthony Davis will have to show high. As soon as he shows high, that's when the basket will open up. If the Warriors allow Anthony Davis and LeBron James to hawk the basket all series long, there's a decent chance that they'll lose. But if they can pull Anthony Davis away from the rim, that's when they're going to get in that Golden State blender and start causing a lot of problems. So I think this is a series where they're going to have to go heavy on Steph high pick and roll so that Steph can beat Jared Vanderbilt and Dennis Schroeder by pinning them on the opposite sides of screens, forcing Anthony Davis to come up. If he's too far back, it's pull-up jump shot city. If Anthony Davis comes up, he can split that pick and roll, beat him off the dribble, or hit the pocket pass, and now you're playing four on three in the back end. I, I, I think this is going to be a huge Steph Curry high pick and roll series against this locked-in Laker half-court defense. A couple other things. Dennis Schroeder. How much are the Lakers going to have to play Dennis Schroeder? Because if they have to play Dennis Schroeder, you either have to downsize to keep your offensive skill or the overall offensive skill of the lineup goes down because Dennis Schroeder is not the same type of shooter as someone like D'Angelo Russell. Um, Can Rui Hachimura guard Andrew Wiggins? That's going to be another key one because I think their best lineup in terms of offense-defense balance is to take Vanderbilt out to put Rui Hachimura in because he's a much better offensive player, but then you need someone to guard Steph, so you have to take D'Angelo Russell out and plug in Dennis Schroeder. So I think the best Laker lineup will be Dennis with Austin and Rui, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but that only works if Rui Hachimura can successfully guard Andrew Wiggins. Rui's another guy, high center of gravity, big and strong, doesn't slide his feet super well. Andrew's quicker than him, so that could be a problem. Another thing to keep an eye on is Golden State going small, um, doing things like Draymond with Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole with Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. That's where it's going to be critical for LeBron James to play defense because Anthony Davis is going to be on Draymond, but LeBron's going to have to follow Andrew Wiggins around, and LeBron typically likes to rest and roam on defense, so that can be a problem. But I, I think both teams are uniquely equipped to cause both teams problems. Between the Draymond roaming thing, between Looney being a physical matchup for AD, Wiggins being one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, they're going to stick the, get the Lakers stuck in the mud sometimes. But with the Lakers, with their insane amount of rim protection... And with their ability to top lock and, and, and force into back cuts, it's not Sacramento. Like, look at the end of the Sacramento series. What happened in game seven? Steph just beating Terrence Davis off the dribble, just going to the rim. But there's no rim protection. Like, th- this is going to be a tire- an entirely different type of series. The Lakers will also cause the Warriors to have extended droughts as Steph and Clay struggle to get free on the perimeter and have to get downhill into a bunch of trees around the basket. So I expect both teams to have extended defensive runs because of the damage they can do to the opposing offenses. All right, last matchup in our chase three points. Who will win the battle of the stars? This is where the series will be won and lost in my opinion. I think the Lakers are the better defensive team. I think they're bigger and more athletic. I think Anthony Davis is playing better defense than anybody in the world right now. I think the Lakers are a little bit deeper But here's the thing. Steph Curry is the best player in this series. And it matters because, again, we talk about this all the time, but 
Why do stars matter? When everything bogs down and it's a rock fight and nothing is working, your stars are the only guys that can create shots. Game four, Lakers-Grizzlies. It's stuck in the the mud. No one is playing well. LeBron James just overcomes it all and makes four big plays down the stretch, steals a loss from the jaw, uh, steals a win from the jaws of defeat, and closes the game in overtime. Like that's what a superstar can do. Anthony Davis in Game Six as a superstar just utterly destroys the Memphis Grizzlies defensively in a game. That's what a superstar can do. Steph Curry, Game 7, on the road in Sacramento, drops a 50-piece because nobody on the floor can guard him. That's how superstars can determine the outcomes of series. They can transcend the scheme and impact the game in a way that is truly inevitable. But it's tricky because there's a difference. I just laid out three superstar performances. Here's the difference. I know for a fact that Steph is going to play to that level. He's going to be incredible. He's going to average 30-plus efficiently, and he's generally going to wreak havoc on the Laker defense. That's a sure thing. But what are we going to get from AD? Two games before AD's Game 6 Masterclass, he laid a dud in Game 4 at home. Luckily, they were able to win. LeBron James, after being a hero in Game 4, laid a dud in Game 5. For the series, both of them were incredibly inconsistent offensively. With LeBron James and Anthony Davis, there is a ton of variance. At their peaks, all three of them are legitimate, bona fide, top-tier superstars. Any one of them has a case to be the best player in the league when they're at their peak. But I know Steph will be at his peak, and I don't know with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So I actually think LeBron and AD will end up determining the outcome of this series. If LeBron and AD both consistently play like top-tier superstars, the Lakers are going to win the series because they will have more star talent. They will have a better defense, more depth. They're just going to win. But if Steph is at a superstar level every game and LeBron and AD are hot and cold, the Warriors are going to win the series. So I'll be keeping an eye on that star matchup very closely. So I've been on the fence about this all week. I think it's either going to be Lakers in six or Warriors in seven. I texted my producer this morning. I'm like, I'm still 100% on the 50-yard line. My head says Warriors and my heart says Lakers. But I'm going to be a stupid fan and I'm going to follow my heart. And I'm going to pick the Lakers in six. Don't feel good about it. But on the 50-yard line, since I'm a fan of the Lakers, I'm going to go with the Lakers. So I'm picking the Lakers in six. The case for the Lakers to win better defense... They're bigger, they're deeper, they have more superstar depth. But the case for the Warriors, Steph Curry is the best player in the world. And if he clearly demonstrates that, if he clearly demonstrates that he's a level above LeBron James and Anthony Davis, then the Warriors will win the series. A lot of times we focus on role players and we focus on scheme, but stars are are who set them up for success. LeBron and AD playing like superstars generates higher quality opportunities for the role players that they are more likely to succeed in. If they don't play like superstars, the opportunities for the role players become more difficult. They struggle to succeed in them. It it, it trickles down to everything. Schematics just simply do not matter when it comes down to brute force at the end of playoff games when you're just spacing teams out. They matter... It, to a to a very small extent compared to um, uh, compared to early in the series or in the regular season, 
I, I think it just comes down to Steph versus LeBron and AD. And if LeBron and AD soundly win that matchup, they win. If Steph soundly wins that matchup, he wins. So again, I'm going to pick Lakers in six, but I don't feel good about it. So um, quick, uh, uh, quick recap for our second round. I've got Nuggets in seven, Lakers in six, Celtics in five, and Heat in six over, or excuse me, the Knicks in six over the Miami Heat. My three points were brought to you by Chase Freedom Unlimited. Earn 5% on travel purchased through Chase, 3% on dining, including takeout, 3% at drugstores, and 1.5% on everything else. How do you cash back? All right, guys, that is all I have for today. Man, I'm so excited for this series. Um, We are going to be back later tonight after a couple of game twos, and then we'll be covering this series on Tuesday night as well. So we'll be working Monday and Tuesday night this week. As always, I appreciate you guys, and I'll see you later tonight. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.